Let's take our Bibles tonight and go to 1 Kings chapter number 17, 17th chapter of the book of 1 Kings. I say I'm honored to be here tonight. It's always good, as like I say, good to preach here at Calvary. Thank God for open door. Thank you, brother. Appreciate the good message tonight for Brother Jacob. That, that was good. That had some substance to it. Amen. And uh, I had no idea what Jacob was going to preach. He had no idea what I was going to preach, but God knew. Amen. Amen. And I, it just amazes me how he meshes things together, even the song tonight. And uh, God knew, and God orchestrates everything. Amen. First Kings chapter 17 uh, I tell you what, if you can stand, you want, if you want to stand to your feet, you can. Uh, I'm still going to try to shoot you, get you out of here before we, uh, Friday. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm just kidding. We'll get you out at a decent time. First Kings chapter 17, verse number 1. The Bible says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Verse number 1, Elijah goes into the court of, of Ahab's palace and announces his call to preach. Amen. Announces his call to ministry, if you please. Verses 2 through 6, God commands Elijah immediately to go to dwell by the brook Cherith. The Cher that word Cherith is an interesting word. It means to cut off or to cut down. God understood that before Elijah could be used in public, he had to get broken in private. Amen. Amen. And I want to use that thought tonight. I want to give you a few minutes on the subject of boot camp by the brook. Boot camp by the brook. Brother Dermot, would you pray for us tonight that the Lord would help us? Amen. You be seated tonight. As you think about the subject of boot camp by the brook, you ask anyone that has served in the military, they will tell you that going through boot camp is one of the most unpleasant experiences that a human being can endure. Amen. Apart from actual battlefield combat, boot camp is one of the most uh, demanding phases of the development of a, of a soldier's career. It is the first and probably one of the most important steps in the development of a soldier. Let me give you just some general facts about boot camp and we'll go on with the message. Let me say first thing about boot camp. Number one, it is a time of isolation. 
It is a time of isolation. Boot camp generally takes place on a military base out usually in the middle of nowhere. I know the Marine Corps boot camp is actually on an island, Paris Island, off the coast of uh, South Carolina. And when a, when a recruit goes to boot camp, it's a time of isolation. They're isolated from family. Mama's not allowed to come see you. Daddy's not allowed to come see you. Brother and sister and grandma's not allowed to come. They're isolated from family. Number two, not only isolated from family, but they're isolated from friends. Girlfriends, boyfriends, buddies from the streets are not allowed to come. They're isolated from family. They're isolated from friends. Thirdly, they're isolated from the familiar. Boy, you get on that military camp and you get exposed to that life. For most people, it is very unfamiliar territory. It's a time of isolation. Number two, not only is it a time of isolation, but it's a time of instruction. During that boot camp period, a recruit learns about weapons. Amen. I was watching some videos preparing uh, for this uh, message tonight. And they, I watched a video of uh, they were training some belly gunners for the old World War II bombers back in the 40s. And those guys actually had to know how to tear down a 50 caliber machine gun and put it back together blindfolded. So they learned weapons. They learned warfare. Let me say this, they learned to walk. Amen. I saw one of our neighbors up here on Shelton Avenue walking down the street and and his, his pants were slightly out of proportion. Amen. You don't see people walking around a military base like that. They teach them to walk. They, they learn not only, they learn the weapons, they learn warfare, they learn to walk, but they learn their weaknesses. You mark her down, honey. If a recruit has a weakness, that drill instructor is going to bring it to the surface and deal with it. Amen. They learn their weaknesses. Then let me say this. is a time of isolation. It's a time of instruction. But thirdly, it's a time of indoctrination. My father uh, joined the Navy back in the 50s during the time of the Korean War. And prior to my father joining the Navy, he was a factory worker. He was a mill worker. Down in Kannapolis, working at the big towel factory down there. It used to be called Cannon Mills. But when he went to boot camp, amen, by the time he got done with boot camp, he was no longer a mill worker, he was a sailor. Did you hear what I said? By the time he went through boot camp, he was no longer a mill worker, he was a sailor. He talked like a sailor. He dressed like a sailor. He ate like a sailor. He slept like a sailor. He folded his clothes like a sailor. And a total transformation took place as they indoctrinated him into the life of the Navy. So it's a time of isolation, it's a time of instruction, and it's a time of indoctrination. Let me give you just a couple things right here. The whole purpose of boot camp is to prepare a soldier for battle. That is the whole purpose. They're not, they're not teaching them to, to be good guys. They're not teaching them to be responsible citizens. They're teaching them to survive on the battlefield. That is the whole purpose of boot camp. Let me give just a couple of things here. Both John and Barry, borrow you just a minute. Let's just pretend that I'm a military recruiter and I'm down there at the, I think they got a recruiting office down there at the Valley Hills Mall. 
And let's just say I see old John walking down Valley Hills Mall and I pull him aside and I talk him and convince him to join the army. And I get him to sign the papers and he raises his hand and takes his oath. And I take John from the recruiting office out in the parking lot behind Valley Hills Mall and I put him on a Black Hawk helicopter. And that Black Hawk helicopter takes him from the recruiting office to the battlefields of Afghanistan. He's probably going to last about 10 minutes. Why? Because he hasn't been through boot camp. Amen. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. So it is an essential in the development of a soldier. And let me say this. It is a difficult, it's a demanding time. And at times it's downright depressing. But do you understand boot camp is essential in the development of a soldier? It's something they must go through if they're going to be effective on the battlefield. And let me say this, not only does the Pentagon and the Joint Chiefs of Staff and our military leaders understand the importance of boot camp, but God understands. Amen. Amen. God recruited Elijah in verse number one. Did you hear what I said? I said God recruited Elijah into the Lord's army in verse number one and immediately God sends him to boot camp by the brook. It is a time of isolation. It is a time of instruction and it is a time of indoctrination to prepare Elijah for the battles that he's going to face in his ministry in the days ahead. Amen. Let me say this. The whole purpose for boot camp by the brook was to transform Elijah from Elijah to the Tishbite in verse number 1 to Elijah the man of God in verse number 24. Now sadly it breaks my heart that in our culture Christianity has just become something else that we do. Amen, we got soccer on Monday, T-ball on Tuesday, Cub Scouts on Wednesday, swimming lessons on Thursday, basket weaving on Friday, uh, go-kart racing on Saturday, and church on Sunday. Church and Christianity is just another thing on our list in this culture. But true biblical Christianity, a true walk with God, hey man, is just not a part of your list, but is a battle and a warfare that God enlists us in. And if we're going to be effective, there's got to be that time of boot camp in the life of the believer. Amen? Let me say this. What does God want to transform us? God wants to transform us from convenience Christians to committed Christians. Amen. God wants to transform us from social media Christians to spiritual Christians. Can I tell you something, buddy, I've learned? Boy, it's easy to talk a talk, especially with a keyboard. Amen. But God needs more than just social media Christians. God needs some spiritual Christians. Amen. Y'all need, and then all that from part time Christians to powerful Christians. How does God accomplish this? He puts us in boot camp. Amen. How do you know? Done been there, done that. Amen. Hello. 
Let me give just a couple of things. There's a lot of ways that we could go with this message right here. But I'm just going to give you just a couple of things. I believe Elijah learned in boot camp that prepared him for the battles he was going to face. Number one, I believe Elijah learned the value of solitude. He learned the value of solitude. Look at verse number three. The Bible says, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. I love the way the Holy Spirit put that. He told him to go hide himself. Hey, the whole nation of Israel had apostatized. The whole nation had turned to Baal. And God told Elijah, he said, go away and hide yourself from the corruption, from the carnage and the carnality, and spend some time with me. And for Atisa, uh, God help me. My daughter says, Daddy, you look mean when you preach. God, I, I hope I'm not coming across me. But I'm, I'm looking at every one of you straight in your God-given eyeball. If you're not taking time every single day, I said every single day to hide yourself, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, hide yourself from the cell phone, hide yourself from the TV, hide yourself from the computer, hide yourself from the internet, and get along with God, you will never reach your full potential in the Lord's service. Amen. I love people. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love socializing. I love looking at things on the computer. I love all those things. But I've learned if I'm going to be effective and help those men at that prison and be a blessing to somebody, I've got to have solitude with God. Amen. And I'm talking about like just like the Holy Ghost put it, Hide yourself. Amen. Amen. And I'll be honest with you, in this culture, as many directions as we are pulled, you about literally got to hide yourself. Amen. Amen. Turn your cell phone off and hide yourself and get along with God on a daily basis. Number two, let me say this. No, did he learn the value of solitude? But secondly, he learned the value of simplicity. What did Elijah have? Number one, he had God. Oh, come on now, this is a Baptist church, ain't it? I said number one, he had God. I said number one, he had the Lord. Amen. Number two, he got two meals a day. He had his clothes and he had a creek. Is anybody awake tonight? Number one, he had God. Number two, he had his clothes. Number three, he had two meals a day. And number four, he had a creek. And I believe one reason Elijah was so effective in his ministry is he lived a simple life. Brother, I've heard you talk about your dad. And I think our dads come from the same. My father, and, and I've talked to other people... My dad and my uncles, it seems like that generation, all they wanted out of life was a good job and a wife. My dad was interested in working and my mama, that was it. 
He never went anywhere. He never did nothing. He never bought nothing. I remember, I got two older brothers. I remember one time my daddy bought a weed eater. Me and my two brothers about fell down with a heart attack. That generation lived a simple life. And I tell you what, we may laugh at them. We may mock at them. But I guarantee you, my daddy lived to be 80 years old. He never one time took his annex. Somebody say amen right there. Hello? Hello? This is going to go over like a lead balloon. But I remember I wanted to play Little League Baseball one year. And I was talking to my dad about it. And thank God my brother piped up. My brother had his driver's license. I said, well, Daddy, I'll take him to practice. I'll take him to the games. Because I'll tell you something, my daddy was going to work and come home and spend the evening with Mama. My daddy was not going to run the countryside. You say, well, that's a bad father. Well, you take that up with him when you get to heaven. But I'm telling you something, those old timers had something because they lived simple lives. Amen. There's a lot of things I could say here. Let let me me just give you this. Uh, You see this piece of paper right here? Not all of this paper is usable. Why, preacher? Because it's got margins. We as Americans leave no margins. We run from daylight to dark. And it's killing us. Amen. Even the people that manufacture paper leave margins. But God help my generation, we're not leaving any margins. We're filling up every minute of our day with activity. And God help us to leave just a simple life. Man, that's about as simple as you can get right there, amen? Hallelujah. Let me give you a couple more things right here. Not only did he learn the value of solitude, not only did he learn the value of simplicity, but number three, he learned the value of the supernatural. Look at verse number six. The Bible says, And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the blood. Ravens are scavengers. They're very self-centered birds. A raven's got one thing on his mind, that's himself. It ain't human. It ain't his four and no more. It's me and no more. They're scavengers. But hallelujah, something took place, amen. The supernatural hand of God stepped in and changed that scavenger to a delivery boy. And all of a sudden that, that, that old scavenger lost interest in himself and took interest in a Baptist preacher, amen. What do you call that, Rev? That's supernatural. Amen. Let me give you a couple things about the supernatural. Elijah, number one, he came to be aware of the supernatural. And number two, he became to appreciate the supernatural. Hey, I'll tell you something. I've learned I'm 40, almost 48 years old. I've learned in life a Visa card can't fix everything. Fix a car. Can fix a refrigerator. Hello? 
Get you some tired. Can't put a marriage back together, though. Can't help you home. Amen. And I've learned over the years to appreciate the supernatural power of God. Because when Visa says no, and MasterCard says no, and your family says no way, and your friends say it ain't going to work, God steps in and His supernatural power works. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. You learn the value of solitude. You learn the value of simplicity. You learn the value of the supernatural. Number four, let me give you this. He learned the value of separation. Sure as uh, Israel became more and more wicked and idolatrous, as Elijah took his stand for God, as Elijah continued to keep himself separated, Amen. he became less and less popular. Amen. Probably started some of his friends started going down there to the Baal church. Started going down there to the Baal temple. But he stayed with God. He got less and less popular. But as Elijah's laying by the brook. Just got done eating a meal brought by the ravens. Just got done drinking some water out of the brook. Does everybody understand there's a famine going on? As Elijah lays there at night. And he hears the screams of people starving to death. As he hears the screams of people dying of starvation, Elijah is thanking God that he lived a separated life. Brother John White, do me a favor. Go get me a roll of toilet paper. This may be my last point. I may quit after this. We say, poor old Brother Dermot, he's one of those separated Christians. Don't get quiet on me now. I'll preach to midnight. Amen. Poor old brother Justin. One of those separated Christians. Let me give you all I may close with this. <clears throat> brother, y'all screwed you up together. Y'all going to be brothers. Give you all a little lesson tonight. I may quit. See what the Lord does. This is church Kleenex. This is prison Kleenex. <laughs> Tennessee Department of Correction issue. <laughs> Had two brothers. Two brothers at my prison. Got a phone call. Their mother called. Father's own life support took a turn for the worse. Mother is in the hospital room. Having to make a decision about pulling the plug. I call these two brothers down to the office. I get their mother on the phone. They're talking to their mother. They talk to their mother for 45 minutes. Their dad's dying. Mama's having to make a decision and here's two boys that should be at home with their mama. Amen. Eat up with guilt. Amen. Eat up with regret. Hello? Amen. They're on the phone talking to them. For, brother, brother Johnny, for 45 solid minutes, this is what I did. 45 
minutes as those boys squalled like babies stuck in a dirty rotten prison. I said all that to say this. There's worse things than being an old time Christian. I said there's worse things than being an old time Christian. Oh, for a short season, those boys had the fast. Young people, listen up. For a short season, those two brothers had the fast cars and the fast money and the fast women. But they wound up when sin came knocking at the door. When consequences come knocking at the door, they wound up in prison. No, y'all think the preacher's hard on you and youth director's hard on you about living clean and living godly. Hey, oh, Elijah was glad he did. Hello, I said, Elijah was glad he did. Say, you're just a legalist. Guilty. I'd rather be legal than illegal. Hello? Praise the Lord, ain't we having the time? Then let me give this. Well, I'm done. I told y'all I was going to quit. He learned the value of solitude. He learned the value of simplicity. He learned the value of the supernatural. He learned the value of separation. He learned the value of submission. And then finally, he learned the value of staying. He learned the value of staying. The Bible says he dwelt there. Amen. Amen. Let me give you this. This is my conclusion. We'll pray. Young preachers, listen up. <clears throat> Graduated Bible college, got my degree got my degree in ministry. <clears throat> my classmates, Miss Wendy, they start getting open doors. Man, they're getting called to pastor. They're getting called to youth pastor. Miss Brenda, all my classmates are going everywhere. And I'm still working at Lackawanna Leather Company on Somerset Drive in Conover. Got my degree, Brother Clark. Done paid the price, done paid my dues. And Brother Johnny, one day, I'll never forget. I said, I was out there, we, we had, the, well, I'm not going to, man, it was a hard job, I'm going to say that. And I was throwing these cowhides on this pallet thing. And buddy, cowhides heavy. No air conditioning. And Miss Victoria, I said, I'm sick of this, man. I got a degree in ministry, I'm called to preach. God ain't calling me to throw cowhides. I'm going to go out here and find something to do for the Lord. And Brother Kerry, just as clear as an audible voice, God spoke to my heart and said, Son, I know where you're at, and when you're ready, I'll come get you. Just as clear... And let me say, somebody says, is God speaking an audible voice? Oh, no, it's a lot louder than that. See, I thought I was ready. God said, no, I'm going to let you down here sling a few more cowhides. You, you, you got some pride issues I got to knock out of you. You think you're God's gift to the church. But I'm going to let you sling 
a few cowhides. Hello? Hello? Then say a word to you young preachers. You're going to go through boot camp. You're going to go through and you stay till God gets you ready. Bus worker, you're going to go through boot camp. Usher, you're going to go through boot camp. Sunday school teacher, you're going to go through boot camp. You stay till God says you're done. Amen. Let's stand our feet for prayer. I think I preached. Yeah, we won't even go there. <laughs> Let's bow our heads for prayer. Brother, you want to do a... Let's bow our heads for prayer. Let's just do it this way. If you're here tonight, you're not saved. See, one of us will tell you how to get saved. Amen. Maybe you're here tonight, you're in boot camp, you're going through a difficult time. Maybe boot camp. Hello? Might be God's trying to mold you and make you to prepare you for the battles ahead. Brother Clark, when I was in that, when I was in that leather factory and God was molding me and shaping me, little did I know I would have to one day face deputation. Little did one day I'd, I'd have to face being the chaplain in a prison. The difficulties of your life right now are preparing you for the battles ahead. Amen. Hello. Stay in boot camp till God says you're done. Amen. Father, we love you. God, I'm thankful I look over my life. At all that you invested in getting me here today. Good ministry, a great church, good church family, beautiful wife, good kids. Little did I know, God, when I was going through boot camp, what you had prepared for me. And God, as we all face the boot camps of our life, those times of isolation, those times of instruction, those dark times... Help us, God, to realize you're molding us and you're making us for the battles ahead. God, if there's somebody here that's not saved, help them, God, to see me or Brother Clark or some of the other people in here. Help them, God, to get right tonight. If there's a child of God here tonight that's struggling, help them. Father, we pray. We ask in Jesus' name. God bless. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you all. Like, I know y'all get tired of me saying this, but it's good to preach to some normal people. <laughs> let, me, let me tell y'all, y'all think Brother Chris is rough. Let me tell you what I did at the chapel. I turned the church, I put the pulpit beside the bathroom. I keep an eye on them while I'm preaching. See, y'all think Brother Chris is rough because he done a couple rows. I turned the whole church around. Amen. But I love y'all. I love preaching here. Amen. And like I say, it's good to preach to some normal people.